0: Hello everyone, this is Rico, and this is the in Sci-Fi Podcast, episode 76 for September 27th, 2006. And on this special midweek show, we're going to do another fan focus segment that I think everyone will enjoy. So stand by, here we go.
1: To boldly go where no one has gone before.
0: Everyone, This is your host Rico, and I have on Skype with me today Amy Yulen, who has quite a vast uh, experience with Star Trek, and I thought it would be fun to talk to her. She's on the forums, uses the name Christabel on the Trek SF forums. How are you doing today, Amy?
1: Very well, thank you.
0: Good, good. Well, uh, as I told you before we got started here, I'm I'm testing a new method for making uh, my Skype calls sound a little bit better, so hopefully this one uh, will work out pretty well. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. I know uh, out where you live, it's a little earlier; it's a weekend, and a lot of people <laughs> like to uh, sleep in. So I, I appreciate that.
1: Yes, you know, you you pulled me out of bed and away from the G4 Star Trek marathon. So. Oh, are they really doing
0: one? Of, <laughs> they're doing one of those again. I, I, yes. I don't really quite understand how how all these stations seem to be showing Star Trek right now. All of a sudden, I'm not really complaining about it, but it, it seems to be like everywhere. Have you noticed that too?
1: I really have. Yeah, I which was... is great for fans. We love it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was uh, I was out of town last week in Canada, and, and I swear I turned on two or three different stations, and there were different episodes. There was a Voyager show showing. There was, I think, a Deep Space Nine episode playing. I, I mean, it's all over the place. Anyway, uh, to uh, to go on. First off, the way I usually like to start these is just just Amy, tell us, uh, tell the people out there a little bit about yourself, your, your background, uh, whatever you'd like, whether it's involving sci-fi and Star Trek or, or other things. You know, maybe your occupation a little bit. I, I know uh, that's pretty interesting. So go ahead.
1: I am an English teacher, and I also teach video production. I used to be a theater teacher, and so one of my passions is acting, and I do that as much as I possibly can. And as far as Star Trek, I really, you know, I'm not even 40 yet, so I've never known life without Star Trek, which is one of the things I wrote in my article um, from the Planet Expo conference, and I really don't remember specifically when I started watching Star Trek, I feel like I always have been watching Star Trek, but when I was in high school, I was taking a Shakespeare class, and I watched a uh, video that had Patrick Stewart, it was Hamlet, and Patrick Stewart was playing Claudius, and I fell in love with him. And then I went to college, and I was a theater major taking yet another acting class, and we were watching a series called Playing Shakespeare, and Patrick Stewart was one of the featured performers in that series. And then all of a sudden in college, I got wind of The Next Generation coming out. And so... With Patrick Stewart as the captain, so you can imagine how yeah. excited I was, and and I started watching that, and so really, Next Gen was my my big show that I was just absolutely in love with, and you know, own all the DVDs.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that must that's a little different than I think a lot of people. You know, I I was more into the original series, and then Next Generation came along, and I knew a little of Patrick Stewart. Prior to the next generation, but it sounds like you had a lot more uh, you know feel for his acting abilities maybe than the average person out there from seeing him do uh, live performances
1: mm-hmm and the the thing that I really love about Star Trek, um, especially the original series and next generation, is all of the references that they have to Shakespeare. And on my website, Shakespeare High, I have an entire section on Shakespeare as seen in the Star Trek universe. So that always makes me happy when they have Shakespeare references.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they definitely definitely follow a very uh, Shakespearean, you know, dramatic type, uh, I don't know how to describe it, Uh, I want to use the word motif, but maybe that's not the right way to put it, but I mean, they're... uh, it's kind of a classical, you know, the way they tell their tales, especially, I think, maybe the original series in The Next Generation. I mean, would you agree with that, you know, a lot of times? On,
1: Absolutely.
0: On, yeah, they've even... Um, I, I think I remember even William Shatner, you know, Captain Kirk, has has mentioned that a few times in interviews over the years. And I know, I, I think he did some Shakespeare early on in his career also. I'm not sure Yeah, maybe, he... You probably know he, more about I him. do, yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead.
1: Um, he did a lot of Shakespeare up in Canada prior to um, landing on on the original series and so and I know that uh, So is that, why he, is that why he
0: always talks like, you know <laughs> Oh my god, spot but what is going to happen to us?
1: And, I don't know. I I am thinking of I can't imagine any Shakespearean character where that voice would be okay. Where where it would be
0: useful for you to talk like uh, stuttering almost, yeah.
1: (laughs) But who knows, he could probably make it work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know he's he's originally from, I think, uh, Montreal or in Canada and had done a lot of um, uh, stage acting originally early in his career. And obviously Patrick Stewart's had a lot of experience. Are there other... Uh, of the actors in the very Star Trek series that you know that are uh, heavily into Shakespeare who have done some of it? Uh.
1: Um, you know, not, not that I've really researched or studied all that much, but um, at the Planet Expo uh, conference just a couple of weeks ago... Um, John Billingsley from Enterprise mentioned, uh, he told a story about a time when he was playing in, I think it was uh, Twelfth Night. And mm-hmm. he was playing a character, and in the the midst of the show, his um, pants fell down. Oh my! And yeah, so he was, I mean, he was just really, really hilarious. Did he just sort of might imagine. pull them
0: up real fast and hope nobody, nobody noticed? Or
1: <laughs> well, I think it was the kind of thing where he couldn't really pull them up. I'll have to go back and listen to my tape, but he, yeah. Um, you know, he said that he just sort of had to keep going, and and that whenever he's at a convention, uh, typically his wife will come, and and she'll be in the back, and she'll yell out, John, tell him the time your pants fell down. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, that's...
1: <laughs> So, she, she likes telling that story, that's and what... then the other the other actor, um, JG Hertzler, who played uh, on. A Klingon on Deep Space Nine.
0: Martok, I think, yeah.
1: Yes. He was telling uh, me about his Shakespearean experiences and that one of his all-time favorite characters to play was Shylock from The Merchant of Venice. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I have a feeling that a lot of them have experience in Shakespeare, but, um, you know, again, I haven't done a lot of research about it.
0: Yeah, some of the... Um some of the actors i that's that covers it at least for me i, I was for some reason i was thinking maybe perhaps John uh, john delancey who played q uh had had done quite a bit i'm trying to recall from you know hearing them speak at different conventions over the years when they've mentioned that and i keep also thinking brent spiner but i'm not sure about that uh, you mm-hmm. know data on tng so uh, yeah, yeah it's it's obvious i mean a lot of actors obviously have a lot of uh, End up doing a lot of stage work at some point in their career, and Shakespeare is a is a pretty common uh, good good source of material. So it it goes hand in hand, I think, and I th- I think it's pretty amazing. You know, like you said, the parallels between a lot of Star Trek episodes and and the way they they handle the different themes that they talk about and, and Shakespeare people. Uh, it's a it's a very interesting and good connection that I think a lot of people don't maybe realize, especially these days. At least mm-hmm. my, my kids are complaining about reading some of this stuff in school right now. <laughs> they're like, well, what has it been lately? It hasn't been Shakespeare. It's been like The Crucible and The Scarlet Letter and, yeah, just stuff they're, uh, you know, they, they said, why, you know, even, I don't know, It's just trying to get them to read some of these classics is a little tricky sometimes. I don't know. You being a teacher, you probably run into that a lot,
1: oh, I would absolutely. guess. Oh, Absolutely.
0: Do you yeah. have any and, uh, do you have any tricks do you do you use Star Trek to, to bring it out I'm not sure if that would help or not you know that may not be even cool enough I guess uh,
1: <laughs> Well I do I teach a Shakespeare and popular culture unit okay and so I've actually pulled um, clips from Star Trek from Babylon 5 and uh, even things like Gilligan's Island, and then music. There's a lot of rock music that has uh, mentioned Shakespeare's characters and themes. Right. And so, you know, I pull all that together and uh, talk about cultural literacy and the fact that, you know, if you have never been exposed to some of these classical works, that you're not going to pick it up when you see it in popular culture.
0: Yeah, I think the, um, you know, one thing for me, just just as a side note, that really got me interested in those kind of things in the classics was seeing the the live performances of those of those pieces. Especially when I was in uh, college and a little bit in high school, I thought that was a, a really good way to to get a feel for it. Sometimes it's very difficult to read it, but but to see it acted out was was a totally different experience and and helped quite a bit. Do you get a chance to to do that with them? Did they get a chance to go see live performances much?
1: Yes, we're really lucky that we live so close to Seattle because I take my students up there all the time and I try to get there. We're on the trimester system and so we try to go to at least one play in Seattle per trimester and it really is amazing how much that turns them on to wanting to learn more about shakespeare or other classical authors
0: yeah that that's that's a great way to do it i think that that can really help and it's you get the whole effect you know not just the words but what the words mean and and them obviously being acted out on stage So have you had a chance to see some of the people like uh, Patrick Stewart then do Shakespeare Live? I I know he does that quite a bit these days.
1: He does. He is working with the Royal Shakespeare Company right now in their um, Complete Works series. So over the whole year, they're um, performing all of Shakespeare's plays and um patrick is in the tempest and antony and cleopatra right now and i think i don't know if they're in london yet or not but he is going to be touring that those productions in addition to um, the rsc julius caesar to ann arbor michigan in november
0: yeah, in, in my in my neck of the woods right i yeah. Yes, I found out about yes. that. I think from you even that uh, you had posted it up, and uh, I, I've. It's. I don't know if I'm going to be able to work out going right now, and next. Uh, that, that, I think it's in October in Michigan, is when it's coming. So, I hope. Oh, uh-huh. uh I hope I can do it, but it's. I'm not sure yet. I've got a kind of uh, a, a busy few weeks uh, in, in the next uh, month or so. But that's. Right. Uh, well- Go ahead. Go ahead,
1: Amy. I I don't know if you'd even be able to get tickets right now because they were in August, I think, well, at least for the weekend that I'm coming, they were sold out just nearly instantly. And so I'll be coming his final weekend in um, November. And the fan club, so I'll be seeing all three productions, and... And his fan club is having a meet and greet with him oh, okay. the morning of his final matinee, so I'm very excited about that.
0: And that's all happening uh, in in the Michigan, the Ann Arbor, Michigan area. Is that yes? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So wow. I'm very
1: very thrilled. And um, last summer, uh, Avery Brooks came to. Seattle and he was talking about he was in Othello in Washington DC at the time.
0: Oh right. And
1: okay. and so I you know, as being the shake geek that I am, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I like
0: that shake. I like that shake geek. That's, yep. Is that something you've used before, or did you just make that up today?
1: No, I. my husband started calling me that years ago, so that's ah, kind of my nickname at home. I, I, I like that. I don't
0: have to remember that.
1: Yeah, and so when uh, Brooks was in Seattle, I asked him if he would perform some lines for us and he did that and I fell in love and I have to be honest I wasn't a huge Deep Space Nine fan okay uh, I probably watched it on and off for the first few years um but you know I wasn't die hard like I can't miss it and uh-huh. get together with all my friends to watch next gen you know but you know if I saw Deep Space Nine okay whatever but after uh, meeting him and listening to him speak, I thought, I need to give this series another try. So the custodian at my school owns all of the Deep Space Nine DVDs, and I own all of the next-gen ah, DVDs. I see, I see a so we're
0: trade-off going in the future. Yep.
1: We're just switching and and watching the DVDs. I'm making better progress than he is. I'm on, I'm on the middle of season three, and he's only on season one. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think Deep Space Nine is really lends itself to that kind of watching rather than when it was on only once a week just because mm-hmm. i think it has such an ongoing overall uh, storyline especially the last 3 or 4 seasons so i think you'll uh, i think you'll enjoy it probably even more than people uh, when they first were able to watch it as it was being broadcast i think it has i think
1: so too it was
0: difficult to keep track of i have to admit even when i watched it when it was on you know broadcast the first time you know there's a lot of of in, you know interacting plot lines and stories that are um, fairly complex and a lot more complicated than I think, or at least a lot more connected from episode to episode and even season to season than maybe any other of the Star Trek series ever were. I think, mm-hmm. I think they have a lot more ongoing uh, things going on with the characters, with the, the plot of the series. So I, I think you'll enjoy it that way. So that's yeah. Avery Brooks that, that should have sprung to mind. Cause I, I think he's even done some quite a bit of direction or directing plays from uh, what I've read. So he's obviously another one that's heavy into theater as well. Well, let's um, yeah. let's switch gears a little bit. I, I, one of the things I, I had to talk to you about today was you had the opportunity a few, I think, was it two years ago, to guest star on Star Trek Enterprise. Is that about the <laughs> right time frame, or...? I'm trying to it, recall. Was it the last season or the season or the third season of Enterprise? It was
1: the third season, but I think that guest star is is maybe too strong of a term. Oh well. Wh- okay, <laughs> well, we'll,
0: we'll say a uh, you had a a small part in one episode. How's that? Is that? A- I was.
1: I had a walk on role. <laughs> okay, a walk on role. Come on. I on. had I had four and a half seconds of glory. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, tell us, tell us, everyone, and and me about uh, how that came about and, and what obviously the uh, the experience was like for you.
1: Well, it was an incredible, an incredible experience. It started out uh, locally in Seattle. There was a contest, and the contest through KZOK radio station ran for three weeks. Well, I think I had TV-ed, um The first week, the episode of Enterprise, and um, I didn't watch it really until the end of the week, right before the next episode was about to air. And so I was watching it, and I saw this advertisement for this radio contest, Mm -hmm. and I just about kicked myself because I couldn't believe that I had missed the first week's opportunity. And so I thought, okay, well I'll be ready for I, you know, I think this must have been the night before, so I'll be ready for the next night. So I sat there and I watched the episode and I took, I jotted down a few notes because it was the trivia contest. Okay. And and so the next day I went into school and I was listening to the radio, waiting for to call in. And I had my cell phone, and so I dialed in, and I was trying to get through, and I couldn't get through, couldn't get through, and um, you know somebody answered the question, which of course I knew. I was right. devastated. I thought, yeah. oh no, I have one more shot.
0: Were they so, were they were they difficult questions at all, or was it just um, if you had watched the episode, you you wouldn't have a problem? If
1: you yeah, if you watched it, you know, I mean, you had to watch it carefully, uh-huh. but. But I don't think the questions were that tough. And so the next week, I decided, well, I'm not going to take a chance of, of not qualifying for this contest. So I skipped out of school. I took a half day Uh-oh, oh wait. Don't, don't worry. I'll,
0: <laughs> I'll edit this part out. No one will ever hear Actually,
1: that. you know what? You don't even have to because um, I've already told my principal this. This story, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) so... Hey,
0: teachers have lives, too, you know.
1: (laughs) We do, we do. And he, so when I skipped out, I was listening to the the radio show, using my landline this time so that I had a better connection. Right. And I called in. I I knew the answer, and the question was... um, what something along the lines of like what was the regulation that gave Flocks the right to um, relieve Archer of duty? Oh, okay. And and I knew the answer, and so um, I couldn't get through. Finally, I got through, and I was so excited. And I'm like, I know the answer! I, I know. <laughs> know the answer! And so they put me on hold. Oh my gosh. It was so nerve-wracking, you could not even imagine, I thought I was going to have a heart attack, my heart was beating so fast, and so... Yeah, you're afraid the, you'll,
0: you'll blurt out the wrong thing, like, uh, regulation uh, 85, oh no, 86 I mean. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, so it got to the point where there were three people that spoke before me, Okay. and the one of the guys said uh, regulation 104 and i thought oh no because that was part of the answer and and they're like uh uh-huh. well, that's not the complete answer oh, then someone they got, they got said picky. all right yeah and then someone called in and said regulation 104 section 3 and i thought oh, you know my heart just stopped And they're like, Nope, sorry, that's incorrect. The next lady said, Regulation 104 Section 5, you know, just (laughs) guessing. And I'm like, get off the phone. (laughs) And so then they picked up my line and said, Go ahead. And I'm like, Regulation 104, Section C. Uh, and they're like, that's it. And, oh, I'd, I would love to go back and listen to the tape because I screamed. Yeah. And I didn't think that I would ever be the type of woman that would scream, but I did. <laughs> I'm so happy. Well,
0: you know, you, you, yeah, you, you never, you know, until you have that, that kind of thing happen to you, yeah, you just think you're all, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'll just be all cool about it. But, uh, yeah. I mean this uh, you obviously tried really hard. So then so they told you 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 got the correct answer. Now did that mean you were then in the running to be on this yes. this walk on roll? Okay, you weren't guaranteed of it. You were just in the sort of finalist group.
1: Correct. Okay. So basically each each of the 3 weeks two people qualified to be a finalist. And so then we had to send a um, fifty-word or less blurb about why we should be picked, and either a picture or a video. Because well, I'll
0: die if I'm not on here. Oh please! Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what I'd write. Yeah. So do you, do you remember what you wrote so, a little bit, or did you? Oh just, yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Well, and it was the kind of thing. It was funny because. Um, On the radio show, Bob Rivers, the the host, he said, well, this is really unfair for the people who are qualifying today because they didn't have as much time as the other people. Oh, right, to write
0: your little blur, right.
1: Yeah, and to do a video and all of that. And so um, Spike O'Neill, he said, oh, no the people who are wanting this they will already have had their video and their blurb done and he was right because I had to leave for school I had done my I had done all of that that first weekend uh, or the first week that I had tried to qualify so mine was uh, done you, and I you just were,
0: you were prepared well see you're a teacher you got to be prepared so uh... yes. <laughs>
1: So I wrote about, in my blurb, I wrote about the fact that as, a, as an English teacher, I always have my kids, really kind of close to the beginning of the year, make a list of 50 things they want to do or accomplish before they die. And the kids have a really hard time seeing that, you know, Cause they seeing that, themselves in the future like that.
0: Yeah, and they, they most of them tend to think they have all the time in the world, and you know, mm-hmm. so... So, you, so they write that. So, okay, go ahead.
1: So, I share my list with them, and on my list, it was always appear have, appear on an episode of Star Trek. That was one of the things on my list, ah. and. They thought that was crazy because there's no way that could happen. I'm a teacher. I don't live in Hollywood. How could that happen? Mm-hmm. And so in my blurb, I wrote, you know, you can help me show them that dreams do come true and oh. that they can accomplish anything they set their minds to. Oh,
0: well, my goodness. There's no way they could have resisted that kind of pitch. I, at least I right. couldn't.
1: Well, <laughs> and then on my on my photo and my, my video, that's how I ended it, Resist- just vote, uh, vote for Amy Ulan, resistance is futile. <laughs> oh. And uh, so then I went back to school, and I told my principal the whole story. I told him, you know, why I had skipped out of school that morning. And You're
0: so, so honest. That's good. I
1: know. It's uh, to a fault, but that's all right.
0: set <laughs> a good example for your students. Well, except for the fact, yes. you know that you skipped out that day, but... You know, hey, go- if they <laughs>
1: had this opportunity, I would encourage them to skip out too. <laughs> hey, they,
0: they've all watched like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? Sometimes, yep. you, sometimes you just got to do that. So go, go ahead. and So you told your principal,
1: and the the contest opened up. It was so voting online. It opened up that afternoon. So, I went to school. I told my principal what happened, I said, I know this is really, you know, out of line and not the best use of, of the school resources, but can we please make an announcement online so that all the kids will get on, or over the intercom, so all the kids will get online and vote? Oh, so this
0: this was a, uh, once the finalists were then put in, they put what, all of the people's little essays and the the video also up up online for uh the whole world to basically uh, vote on?
1: Yes. Everyone that
0: could get online and and vote. Oh, I did, okay, they didn't choose themselves from that. They had the the public got to choose.
1: Yes. Okay. And I was I was the only female, so that really helped, too. Oh. But um, that what my principal did next really how many put were me... there,
0: How many did they have total uh, in the... Was it just the... the what did you say? Three? Or... Six. Oh, six. Two,
1: two per week, the six. But the guy that qualified after me... Um, He didn't submit anything, which I find really sad that somebody, you know, that people called in and were guessing because it just meant that true fans like me didn't get through because he obviously wasn't a diehard like the rest of us. So that was, you know, too bad.
0: Yeah, that that is a little, you know, I think that may be why maybe they did have the essay part and the video part so they could kind of get a feel for and hope that the you know, Star Trek fans in general are—you are, know—they kind of haunt the internet a little bit. So, yes. <laughs> hopefully, they would pick up on the ones that really kind of, are, at least in their minds, are more maybe deserving of this chance. Mm-hmm. And we'd kind of weed out the people, you know, who are basically sitting around at home and, hey, there's a radio contest. Let's call in and, and, and don't even know, you know, who Captain Kirk is compared to, uh, you know, Jean-Luc Picard or whatever.
1: Right, absolutely. So
0: then you, so then you got the the whole school to vote for you.
1: Yeah, so my principal, he was fantastic. He said, "Oh, let me get on." And he's just a really funny guy anyway. So he got on the intercom and he told everybody about the contest and the website to go to. And so all of the teachers and the students in the building um, voted well as many as as could possibly vote voted, and then a lot of them went home and voted and told their parents and um, family, and so instantly you know words started spreading around the internet because all these kids were text messaging and sending emails, and so the next morning and you
0: promised them all to get A's when they voted for right? <laughs>
1: you. Yeah. Uh, the next morning we're sitting in class. And so its I believe it was like my second period class. And this was the greatest, like really one of the greatest teaching moments that I've ever had because these kids were just so giving of themselves. There was no expectation of extra credit or or anything. They Uh just wanted to help me make this dream come true. And so we're listening to the radio and I'm up front all nervous and they're about ready to announce it. And I look up over my students and there are 30 kids who are sitting in their desks making the Vulcan salute with their hands. And I almost started crying. And then when the, um, the radio announcers said, she, they instantly knew it was me because I was the only she, and my class erupted, and they just started screaming and shouting, and kids started running out of the room and down the hall. She won! She won! <laughs> that's great. That, yeah. That's just it, great. So, it was very exciting.
0: Yeah, that, um, that's a great story, and, you know, like you said, you were able to tie it in with that, with you know, you can Accomplish these things, and and if you try, and mm-hmm. you know you've got some people, you know you got that you showed them that people sort of help you and back you up on something. It's it's that's great. So, at how long at that point? Then after you found out you had won, before you actually you know got to go to Enterprise, you know take over the bridge, kick Archer off, <laughs> and, and all that.
1: It was only about two weeks, I believe. Two
0: weeks until later, we were, okay.
1: Yeah, two weeks until we were on our way to the studio.
0: And then how was, um, they film obviously in the like L.A. area, right? And, and up mm-hmm. on the Paramount lot. So you are up in, in the northwest, up in the Seattle area. You, mm-hmm. you what, did you fly down, I guess? or
1: Yeah, we did. And, you know, this is the incredible thing about this contest is that, they they paid for everything. They flew my husband down with me, and unfortunately, um, he wasn't allowed to go on the set visit with me, um, and which is really too bad because is he also
0: uh, a, a a Trek fan or
1: he he is he is and he's a huge sci-fi fan too. So okay. he loves everything related to sci-fi.
0: Uh, well, you know that I could I could understand his feelings, but at least you know you got a chance to do it. Uh... So then you were uh, you both went down and right,
1: and they put us up in a really nice hotel room. So my husband was able to work from the hotel room that day, and they provided us with a rental car, and so everything was taken care of. Well, we met another um, winner on the set. His name's Brian Darcy. Yeah, I think and... I saw your
0: you. There's some of the photos on your site, I think. He's in the photo also, mm-hmm. or you took a picture of him. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, and he, um, I think it's through the Starbright Foundation, he won a bid, an auction on uh, this walk-on roll. so the exact same thing as I did, but I think, you know, and obviously his was for charity, mm-hmm. but he paid, uh, I want to say, something like six or $8,000 for this opportunity, uh and you know, and he, the way he looked at it is he was really giving to the charity, and this was a bonus right yeah but
0: that's he, a that's it, a nice thing to do too,
1: oh, yeah, he was the really great guy, I was very happy to have met him. Um, but he had to pay for everything else, his hotel and transportation. Ah, you know, so that was a okay. big expense on top of everything. So yeah. I felt was he very the, very fortunate.
0: He wasn't in the, the the California LA area at all. He was no okay no. So then he got there, and this this all was uh, for a, you were there for on the set one day, or was it more than a day?
1: Yep, no, an entire day, and I think we were there for. Ten hours? Yeah, so we were on set for ten hours. So we started um, early in the morning, and the first place we went was costuming. And we got to have a great tour of the costume shop and meet all of the people there, which they were all incredibly nice.
0: I'm trying to recall, let's say before we forget to say, this, mm -hmm. this episode of Enterprise was third season was it the final episode the of it? finale yep zero okay. hour that's what i thought okay so the, mm-hmm. the finale of the third season so go ahead yes
1: and just on a related side note it's uh the atmosphere was very tense because they didn't know if they were picked up for a fourth season right at I, this point yet
0: i remember that, that that they were it was on shaky grounds when they you know we're trying to find out whether they were going to come back for the uh fourth season and they found out kind of almost like the name of the episode right at the zero hour right uh-huh. or after at least the final uh final episode was was filmed so that that must have been a little rough uh
1: yeah so and i mean it really the everybody on the set treated us like royalty they treated they knew we were coming they were like oh you're the contest winners and and they were uh, you know seemed genuinely excited to see us so uh it really was a phenomenal experience and my heart was just breaking because obviously as a fan I wanted the show to continue because I watched it each week, but after meeting all of the people that worked on it i my heart was breaking for them. I wanted the show to continue because these people were phenomenal they deserved to have a good steady job and yeah um, you know I just didn't want them to be put in that position and,
0: and you, you probably also get a chance to see what a lot of people don't always think about and that's it's not just that main cast group that that is you know has jobs due to this and Mm -hmm. they're all a huge number i'm sure you saw behind the scenes people and you can see how long you know long hard hours they work and they're really pouring their hearts into this thing and and you just have it decided by you know these arbitrary ratings and and Mm -hmm. and people in suits that don't really yeah, they just don't get it sometimes and it's uh yeah, I agree. That must have been uh, difficult. But they treated you, uh, treated you like royalty, and yes. you got to wear a little uh, enterprise jumpsuit. I think, right? <laughs>
1: yes. How,
0: how was yes. that? Did they just sort of pull one <laughs> off the rack and say, "Here, you look about a size whatever," and put this on? And uh, how did that come yeah. about? Was that just? It was
1: the most mortifying experience that I have had. Was the costume fitting um, because? I'm a real person I'm not a Hollywood actor right I like to eat food <laughs> and none of the female costumes would fit me because they you know hire all these petite cute young things and that was I think me. the word
0: I think the word you're looking for is that they're two-dimensional I think <laughs> that's what you're looking for you know if they're sideways. <laughs> where where did where did T'Pol go? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, she's right there. Wait. Anyway. <laughs> turn around. Yeah, turn around. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah I didn't even absolutely. realize that
0: the uh that the little blue jumpsuits that they wore were were like, you know, male female. I guess the way they're cut a little bit, I would suppose.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so they had to uh it was interesting. They had to pull a male um uniform off the rack from first season. And it was kind of an interesting story behind that because when they bought their fabric and constructed the uniforms for first season, they didn't buy enough fabric for, um, you know, the next season. Extras, so
0: right. Yeah,
1: so when they went back to get more fabric, they couldn't find it that matched the same dye lot, and so the the fabric from first season is uh, had much more of a purple tone um, mm-hmm. as opposed to the next seasons, which were more much blue. more blue.
0: Right, I've I noticed so, that over, and if you see some episodes, they'll use, you know, maybe so with some extras in the episode, there is that difference of, of coloring purple-blue. And I always, mm-hmm. I, I had heard about that story, and then I'd also thought that perhaps maybe just washing the things was was creating differences in color, but... Uh,
1: yeah, it could be.
0: But go ahead, so they so they got one for you.
1: Yeah, well, so, but as far as the, the fabric, so at second season, when they started reconstructing these, because there's a lot of time and effort that go into these, and so each of those uniforms, I think they said some were um, around $1,200 with fabric and construction time. You know, it was funny because my students were like, oh, did they let you keep it? And I thought, one, why would I want to do that? But two... no that's would be a lot of money they did not let me keep the uniform so they ended up buying um, during second season fabric for the whole entire seven-year run so that they would have it so they had these bolts of fabric um, set up on this table and you know they only got through four seasons
0: yeah, I wonder if they're gonna if they've got bolts of fabric. I'll have to look through. You know, they're doing that Christie's uh, auction in New York mm-hmm. in, in about I guess it's just in two weeks now. Mm-hmm. I want I'll have to look through. I picked up the catalogs for those. They've oh, got, did you? They've got some amazing things. I'll have to see if they've got bolts of fabric that unused fabric from Enterprise on there, yeah, yeah. for sale or not. They have some uh, pretty bizarre things. So, so you got in a costume and then mm-hmm. they were. Obviously, finding uh, did they have this? I mean, they must have had it figured out what place and what scene you were going to be in. Were you right. in the scene in the same scene together with the the other guy that was there, the the other contest winner, or did mm-hmm. you do you you were both in the same scene?
1: Well, I yeah, we um, filmed two scenes together, and then I filmed a third scene, and so and Bob Rivers the radio host was also with us so there were three of us and when uh, we first got there we got to watch a um, stunt man doing a stunt where the sphere builders come in and uh, into the engineering and they uh, throw, use their powers to throw him back from the engine and up into the um, catwalk and he falls down. so we got to watch that scene being filmed. and then later in the day when he falls down, I got to be in this scene, the kind of reaction scene. okay, but I was cut out of that. oh Sad no, bit. you're you're laying on the
0: floor somewhere in Paramount, this little piece of film. yep,
1: yeah, yep, yeah, I was cut. And then uh, we got to film the scene where Trip and Tapal are walking along the uh, side of the engine and they come all the way around in front of it and they're having a conversation. So all three of us were in that scene and you can actually see both Brian and Bob, um, their faces in the scene. Well, I was up on, um, you know, acting like I was running the engine and so you when the camera pans across you only see the bottom of my legs and it's very blurry I mean you wouldn't even know they're there if you weren't looking for it so that was you know too bad I I as we were filming it, I was thinking, ah, oh, I wish that I was down below so you could actually see me. But uh-huh. this is really fun, yeah. you know, playing acting like I'm really, you I'll, know, I'll stand running the and, and, and
0: push these fake buttons all day long. I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, okay.
1: It was it was a lot of fun. But then later we filmed. We got to have the um, makeup on with our skin was cracking and uh, we had to save the ship in 14 minutes or we would all die right, right. and so I got a great um, shot where they um, really got me walking up to one of the monitors and acting like I was fiddling with the monitor and um, so that was a really nice close-up so that was a four and a half second shot that was pretty exciting hey
0: that's probably you know most people in hollywood i bet i bet even tom cruise or whatever his first role i bet he didn't get that much time even so uh but the um so the the thing i was curious about was obviously did you get a chance to at least say hi to pretty much the main cast of characters some of the maybe main behind the scenes people any of them i mean how did they all seem you said it was a little tense on the set uh I saw you did have a picture of uh, you and uh, Scott Bakula, and I think there was another one maybe of you with um, Connor, uh, who played Tripp. And Trip. Jolene. Yeah, and Jolene, mm-hmm. who I always hear has this uh, crazy laugh. I've, I've heard her laugh a few times. So did you get a chance to at least say hi to those people, and, and how did they seem to you? I
1: I did when we first arrived. So this was while um, my costume was being adjusted. So I was still in street clothes, and and Scott had just finished filming the um, closing scenes where the you know with the Nazi alien and all of that. All right. And, okay. And we weren't supposed to see any of that. They didn't have us arrive on set until ten o'clock in the morning. Because we weren't supposed to see any of that being filmed. And so he comes out and he's got the makeup on, like he's been injured and all of that. But he was so funny and he's like, hey, are these my new recruits? Why aren't you in uniform yet? And <laughs> and so he stopped and was joking around with us and was just really cordial, very, very nice. Um, and then he had to go up and do some more makeup and we went off to um, finish our costumes and so then after we did makeup, um, I was told not to wear any street makeup to the set, so I didn't.
0: you got to wear only Starfleet makeup, I think.
1: Yeah, right? yes. Well, I am a very pale. I have very pale complexion, and um, my eyelashes and, and eyebrows are so blonde, they're practically white. Well... I'm the type of person that I need mascara on because I look very alien (laughs) if I don't. That would have been all right, maybe. To fit in. Yeah. Well, so my makeup artist, she was like, no, we're supposed to go very natural. And so she slapped these, you know, crackly skin uh, pieces on me and did very little makeup and was like, okay. And I thought, ooh, I kind of looked at myself and I'm like, Really? I said, can I at least have a little bit of mascara? <laughs> and so she had to ask the um, uh, Michael, is it Westmoreland? Right, Michael Westmore, yeah. the makeup artist. Westmore, garden. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she had to ask him if it was okay, and he said yes. And so I kind of went down, and we were doing a, a set tour, and somebody came up and and pulled me aside and said, we need you to go back up to makeup. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And what they probably wanted to say is, you look horrible. Get back up there. Um, And so they continued, Brian and Bob continued the tour, and I had to go back up to makeup. And so she actually put some makeup on me, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know they were going to feature you. And I thought, ooh, Feature. That sounds really good. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Pretty excited about that. So she finished making me up. So she was making
0: you up originally as more like you're just gonna be in the background, it's not that critical. We'll just kinda slap these little things on your face and there you go off your off on your way. So they they decided, well we're gonna need maybe a little more close up of her, so hey, let's put some real makeup on.
1: Yes. And And I was so happy. Oh, how about
0: some lines? Do I get some lines
1: too? (laughs) Yeah, and so um, then when I went back downstairs from that, the tour was over, so I'd missed most of it. and um, But Scott Bakula was waiting because he was done for the day. And um, he was standing around talking with Bob and Brian, and uh, they turned when I came down, and he's like, oh, there she is. And he was like, I was waiting to take a photo with you, and I thought, what an incredible man! I mean, how generous is that? Because he was—he was released, he was free to go, but he waited. So I will forever be grateful to him for that. And I mean, I
0: just—he's always seemed to me—I've—I've heard him speak a few times. in interviews and, and everything I've always heard about him has always been completely positive that people, especially people that were on Enterprise, have always said, you know, he was truly the the leader by example on, on the show. Mm-hmm. So it uh, it's great to hear that because it goes along with everything I've always heard that, that he really, uh, really, that show meant a lot to him and he put everything he could into it.
1: Mm-hmm. And so then I also got to meet Connor, who he was also very funny and nice, very friendly, stopped and talked to us. Um, Jolene wasn't so much. Uh, I think that she probably, when she's performing, sort of gets in a zone, and and so she didn't communicate with us much. Well, she was still um, being a Vulcan,
0: you know. She can't, yeah. <laughs> she can't be too friendly, you know. she's She's... she's t- Paul, she's the Vulcan. So exactly, yeah. Con- the, Conor the, always Connor always like, Connor
1: more than made up for it. Yeah. yeah, he's
0: uh, I've seen. I saw him at a convention a couple of years back. He seems like a real fun guy. He's uh, um, yeah. he he seems very much like his character was on the show. He seems very down to earth and just a good old boy, nice guy. So then you uh, so you got your scenes done, and you got to see the uh, at least some of the sets and that. Mm-hmm. Did it? Uh, what were your impressions? I guess uh, of just seeing all of that, seeing things you had seen, uh, using that word way too many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> seeing things uh, from a you know a, a natural you know your in person viewpoint versus things that you've seen on on television. Was it a was it just as interesting? Was it kind of a letdown at all? Did the sets seem a lot smaller than they look like on television, or no. what, did, what did you think?
1: Well, as a theater artist. Uh, two things. As a theater artist, one, I thought I was going to be far more starstruck than I was. Okay. And I think that a lot of that is a testament to how great they treated us. They treated us like we were a part of the team. And so it, it felt really very natural to me. Um, and I got a great compliment from um, one of the producers who was watching the our scene being filmed we only had two takes um and he turned to the director and the guy that was giving us our tour and uh he said about my close up that um she's a natural which and then he came up to me afterwards and said that was very good nice job and he walked off and um One of the extras who's on there for a long time just sort of looked at me, you know. She gave me this look, and I thought, "What, you know, what?" You're taking a job.
0: You're taking. Yeah, well,
1: (laughs) and that she said, she said that was a producer. What he just said to you was very, very nice. And she kind of gave me this tone, like you need to be impressed with the comment you just got. Ah. And I was like, oh. Wow. Okay. It's kinda Thank like, you. Kinda, yeah.
0: Kind of. Kind of like the Pope coming up to you and saying, "Oh, you you pray really well, you know," or something. Yeah. <laughs> you should be impressed by that. Uh, right. Yeah. That's uh. Well, it's you know obviously you have a a good background in in what goes on and stage in that and I I there's mm-hmm. you know it served you well on on being on there and knowing kind of where to stand, being able to stand still or that, those mm-hmm. kind of things. I'm sure were were very helpful and it's it just sounds like just an- an amazing experience i uh
1: it was and the sets you had asked about the sets yes, like right. did they look smaller no they were huge and they were solid i mean when i was up there the you, next other than fall the fact into the
0: uh, engine or anything like that lean back on a railing and have you know slip into the warp core or anything
1: yeah no would not have happened when i was up running that engine i mean other than the fact that the buttons didn't really depress yeah. you know i felt like i was literally running the engine that's how solid these sets are and they showed us the computer uh, room where they run all of the monitors and that they can change the graphics on the monitors depending right. on what the scene is. Yeah. And But even looking at those monitors, I mean it was truly believable. Um, and even with all the camera people in there and the sound guys and lighting guys, I felt like I was on a ship. That's how solidly constructed yeah. these sets were.
0: Yeah, I think the, uh, I think the interesting thing about Enterprise and the sets uh, for that show compared to perhaps like TNG and some of the other Star Trek series, is, is they tried since it wasn't that far in the future. they tried to make them a little more believable, looking a little more uh, something that we would recognize. They used a lot They used a lot of computer monitors that we'd be familiar with. That they mm-hmm. could put anything up on the screen, you know, like you said, you saw the computer room. So, I'm sure that ended or added uh, a lot to the the realistic nature of the way it looked to you, and mm-hmm. and it helps a lot, you know, rather than just a bunch a bunch of displays with with flashy lights on them and and not really meaning a whole lot. So, so that was um. So, anything else that you want to say about that particular, you know, your whole experience there? It sounds like it was just. Probably something you'll remember forever. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was a, a great great experience. And did they send you uh, anything yeah.
0: like later, like a copy of the episode or, or anything no. like that? No, no, no. You had to you had to sit there. Uh, well, let's see. I'm trying to recall what what time of the year were you filming that? What month would it have been? And then when did the show finally air?
1: I believe it was March, and it aired in May.
0: Okay, so you only so. You had- Wait a few months before you showed up on television.
1: I did, but I will tell you one more thing about okay. it. So when we first got there and Scott came out and was talking to us, so did one of the Nazi aliens. He came out. And so I'm looking at this guy thinking, I don't know what this alien is, and he's wearing a Nazi uniform. Uh-huh, I had yeah. to keep my mouth shut about that. For those two months, I couldn't say a word. I didn't even tell my husband about it because I thought, if I start talking about this, you know, I'm going to blab to everybody. So I couldn't say anything on any of the Star Trek message boards or it was really tough to yeah, keep that, that to myself. Well, that,
0: that was, yeah, that was the big uh, sort of surprise at the end of that season when, when uh, Captain Archer, when Scott wakes up and... He's heard and he's laying in this camp with these these guys that appear to be Nazis, but they're also aliens. So that uh, mm-hmm. I can imagine was was a big surprise to uh, well to everyone when they finally saw the episode. And when you got there, you you obviously were surprised. And yeah, I, I racked my brains all uh, all summer when that was on about who was that alien? Uh-huh. I, I didn't recognize him either, and I was like, he kind of looks like a couple other aliens they've shown before, but not really. Is this a time travel thing? What's going on? So uh, so then you finally got to see the episode. So did you have basically you know, the whole school over and your friends to uh, to sit down to see where you showed up in the episode when it, when it was finally on the air? Or?
1: No. Uh, KCOK had a big party up in Seattle. So we went to uh, Magnolia Hi-Fi and watched it on a big high-definition screen. Oh, and, okay. All right. Um, so it was a a big premiere party so it was very fun
0: great great so were you uh were you very kind of uh, how did you feel when you finally saw yourself on that on the screen were you were you happy with that or did you just kind of go oh i wish i would have been in more i could have been in this other scene there's my leg you know there's my leg over
1: there <laughs> well that's my yeah. husband was with me and yeah. i'm like those are my legs oh they're gone <laughs> oh, they're, can we
0: freeze the frame there can we go back yeah. we go back a second.
1: Hey, that's the beauty of TiVo. I was able to moment by moment show my entire family. That's my those are my legs. Those oh, yeah. are my legs. Yeah. Those and, are, my, legs. And, <laughs> those are now, my blurry legs. <laughs>
0: now they're all out on on DVD also, so you can uh and, and, and who knows since they're doing all these enhanced and changed episodes and all these things they're changing around, who knows? Maybe your other little part will show up one day, you know, it'll be uh it'll be on the, you know, the the whatever fiftieth anniversary edition of Enterprise <laughs> or something like that. You never know these days. Well, I, I don't yeah. want to uh, take too much of more of your time, but I did want you to mention uh, on another subject. We kind of switch gears here for the last little bit. Mm-hmm. You um, recently, you mentioned earlier on that you did you were at this Planet Expo uh, convention that happened over the fortieth anniversary weekend, which what mm-hmm. that was like only two weeks ago now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you were there and you also had a chance to write up your experiences there at the convention and do an article for uh, the main Star website. I just wanted you to say maybe a little bit about uh, the convention, what you what you thought about it and I know you've explained most of that in what you wrote on Star but you know just say a little bit about it and then also the how you got connected with writing that article that showed up on on the website
1: well the the way I got connected with star trek dot com is they had when I was the contest winner they were getting ready to go to a big convention or something so I didn't get to meet the editors of star trek dot com when I was on the set but uh, I've stayed in close contact with Mark Wade and since that time and we share some similar interests too so uh, when I finished my set visit, I asked him if I could write an article about it, and he said yes. So I submitted my article, and uh, my picture was on the front page of Star Trek .com for several days. So that made me really happy.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, I that made me. That almost made me feel more famous than my four and a half seconds on screen.
0: (laughs) Oh, sure, because frankly, I think the Internet these days, you know, gets gets maybe a few more hits than television sometimes. Yes,
1: (laughs) and so since that time, I was able to write a convention report for the Seattle Convention I mentioned earlier, and... So then, when this Planet Expo convention was coming to town, I contacted Mark about it, and he asked me if I would cover it for Star Trek .com. So I um, went as an official representative of Star Trek.com. .com with my
0: press pass and everything.
1: Yes, wow. and my official Star Trek .com um, staff shirt. So I felt very official. And so, I was able to cover the entire convention. Actually, they called it a conference, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. I uh, I was able to cover the entire conference, ha- held a lot of interviews, and those are things that I will be adding to the article that I wrote. I only put up part one, which was about the anniversary, the actual anniversary date, and um, then the remainder of the articles that I'm going to write, uh, part two will be about the big finales, Saturday and Sunday evenings. And then part three will be some of my favorite quotes from the actor presentations and the um, interviews that I conducted. So those will be coming up over the next few weeks so
0: did you walk around like with a pencil in your ear and and like a, a steno pad and take a lot of notes or, or recordings um, are you are yeah. you just sort of photographic or, or whatever I always wondered about that when people go to these what do they use these days do they do a lot of digital audio recording or or do you just write a lot of things down as you're there
1: I did a little bit of both. I did um, quite a bit of recording so that I can go back and make sure that my notes are accurate. I did take notes, uh, took a lot of photographs, took over 600 photographs, and will be putting up uh, quite a few of those on each of the parts of the Star trekcom article, and whatever else I don't put up there, I'm going to go back to the Planet Expo blog and put up some more photos there.
0: Well, that's and, uh, yeah, that, that's that's great. I mean, they're you know, with it's it's always neat to see a lot of those photos because you get to see a lot of the actors and and other people, uh, you know out of, obviously, their costumes and makeup and, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot more natural setting. You, you know, sometimes a lot of them are, are more than willing. I've had a few chances, too, where, you know, you get to take your picture with them. I saw you had had one photo up with you with a whole group of people. I think it was the cast of the uh, the movie that Tim Russ, the Tuvok, is, uh, is directing of Gods and Men. I think yes. that was basically the cast that you got a photo with all of them in the cast, which mm-hmm. they have people from just about every uh, Star Trek uh, series, some from the original series uh, all the way up through, um, through Enterprise. Where there, there were some people there. Well, the guy that played uh, the other Vulcan, what's his name again? Gary Graham, right? Gary Graham, yes. Yeah. And, uh, yep. Now, that picture that I saw of, of you with all of that group, were they doing a lot of photos like that, or was that sort of... Uh, I mean, where they just sort of get a line of people and everyone walked in, sat down, and got a shot and the next Mm -hmm. person came along? Or
1: It was, yeah, that was um, how it was. But those were very limited number of photos because they were a special photo for the people in the VIP seats, so the people who spent a lot of money to come to this and support this conference. And so I was... You know, I had done a lot of volunteer work, um, putting together the blog and all the um, copy on the website for Planet Expo, and so this was as like a thank you for doing all that. They well, let me sit down and and have this photograph.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. I, I do have to mention uh, the blog that you were running for this whole thing. Uh, I've I've read several uh, of the stories in there. Why don't you just talk briefly about? About what that's all about, and then we'll get back to the the convention itself. It, it's basically a series of what I what I saw basically are a lot of different people, actors, uh, fans, uh, people bes- behind the scenes. I think of talking about Star Trek and, and different experiences that they've had with it. Uh, and that mm-hmm. uh, is that something that you uh, put together uh, uh, on your own, or was it the convention wanted that uh, to go along with it? How did that yes, come about? I-
1: it was part of the the conference, and um, Sky Conway, who is the uh, producer of the conference and producer of the movie of Gods and Men, this was part of what he wanted to help promote the uh, conference, and so they asked me if I would do the copy editing. Well, it ended up being much more involved than simply editing other people's writing, I had to go out and seek submissions, and we did a 40-day countdown with 40 blog entries to the 40th anniversary. So there are 40 blogs up there, and there are uh, blogs from authors who sent me chapters like complete chapters from some of their books uh scientists yeah, i saw who arthur wrote,
0: uh, arthur c Clarke wrote something yes yeah yes. That, that was very nice very impressive i, I know mm-hmm. he's had some connections to trek over the years and i'm a big fan of his I, I really like his writing there he had a lot of different nice what i really liked about it as i was looking through it was the was just the variety you know it's a lot of times with with media coverage, I think, and, and Star Trek, and, and, and just other things, it becomes kind of one-sided.
1: You mm-hmm. only hear
0: from the actors, or you only hear from the director or the writers. You had a nice, a really nice mix of people in this that I thought was was really well done, and I, I'm going to link that up when I when I post this and everything, so so people oh, have a great. chance to uh, to look at it. But I, I really enjoyed that that fact of it. It's it's real interesting. You get a lot of different viewpoints and a lot of interesting reading there. And so you had to go out and, and kind of uh, sort of uh, spearhead that a little bit more than you uh, than you had thought at first.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. So I built the, you know, it's through um, Blogger, so it's pretty easy to build the website using yeah, Blogger. But right. um, So I had to create the website and do the daily updates and all of that. So it was a little time-consuming, but you know, I met great people, and you were talking about the variety of people who responded, and I really wanted the fans to respond. People, you know, everyday people who are going to be attending this event, and I feel like I got some incredible fan responses that I'm so excited about, and I got to meet all of those people at the conference so it was you know yeah, a, I a wish, great
0: group uh, I, of people I, I you know if i would have known about that a lot sooner i would have tried to find my way to go out there it's um it's difficult sometimes when something comes up at the last minute for me at least these days and but i would have loved to have been there because tell us a little bit about the fact that you you keep calling it more of a conference and i know there's mm-hmm. a lot uh involved in why it was uh, dubbed that more than a convention. There were a lot of other, a variety of people, guests there, that were not just uh, Star Trek actors and so so on.
1: mm mm-hmm. The reason why it was called a conference was because, you know, typically at a convention, you go and you listen to the actors talk, maybe get an autograph or photo, buy some things in a dealer's room, and maybe watch some Old videos, you know,
0: <laughs> watch some bloopers or uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, but it 's not um, not a lot of depth that goes into a regular um, convention a lot of times, you know, at least some of the smaller ones that i 've attended, yeah mm-hmm. but this particular conference, it had uh, two tiers, so the the main auditorium, which was the Sky church in the EMP in Seattle. Had all of the actors, and it had some panels of scientists and authors and actors. And then in the smaller theater, again, there were more panel discussions and individual presentations by each of the scientists. So it was like going to an educational conference in addition to being at a convention. And as an educator, I absolutely loved that. I learned so much, uh, made some great connections with some scientists. Um, in particular, Dr. Seth Shostak from the SETI Institute.
0: Right, he's,
1: right. He is incredible. And he's doing a podcast, his SETI I think it's called SETI Science and Skepticism podcast. Okay. I believe on the 27th is um f- from the interviews that he conducted while he was at the convention. Yeah, it's so always your listeners a- might want to check that one out too. Yeah, I'll
0: I'll uh, I'll dig that link up and I'll I'll post that as well. It's uh it's always been great um, and and very interesting for me being involved in Star Trek over the years of, of how many people uh, and I, I'm actually one of them that were, became very interested in science and space exploration and, and just just the the wonder of all that through uh, their their love and interest when they were young of Star Trek and mm-hmm. and I think you you must have found that to be the case with a lot of these people that you met there that really uh, inspired them to to go into the kind of careers that they've, they've they've gone into, I think in a large part, you know, Star Trek is, is partly responsible for that. Other science fiction, books, and, and authors have inspired a lot of people to, to kind of make some of these things uh, a reality.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and that was the theme of the whole show, is that the way that Star Trek changed the world.
0: Right, right, exactly. And although I... I wish they didn't come up with those communicators because cell phones. I could live without <laughs> a lot of the time. They're nice to have around when you want that, but uh, in general, it's uh, I don't know. Sometimes it's it's more of a, a curse than a blessing. I think, but it's that's
1: exactly what George Takei said. Um, oh, did he, he? Yeah. Yes, he said that it was um, a, a bit of a curse. Uh, for our society, and he told us this story about how he almost got into a fist fight with a guy in a movie theater, because here it's this most intense moment of the movie, and this man answers his cell phone and has a conversation. Oh, yeah. And and George is looking at him like, how can you possibly be so rude? And so they... They stood up in the theater and kind of faced off. And oh, my goodness. The, the man actually spit in George Takei's face. That's
0: just... Uh, I, I read about that. Yeah, I remember reading now in your uh, your article on StarTrek.com about that incident, and I just don't quite understand that sometimes. I mean, I really, I really don't. I am so just it just boggles my mind that somebody can be that impolite and then even to go one mm-hmm. step further to not just be impolite but to to say well you know I, i'm now i'm also gonna like either hit you or spit on you i just mm-hmm. I, I i really just sometimes some some people i i just will never understand with that that's uh that's too bad uh it's yeah it's yeah and and if you didn't have that, you know, if those communicators weren't on Star Trek in the '60s, you know, we wouldn't—that <laughs> wouldn't have happened now. But I, you know, I—you got to believe that it would have eventually come along to, to, yeah. to some level. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen a lot. I, I think I even wrote a, a paper in college one time on not just Star Trek, but a lot of scientific things that have come from science fiction, uh, both uh, in in media and television, movies, and in books that have turned into reality and mm-hmm. also connections between the early space program and things that, uh, you know, people take for granted these days. You know, there's a lot of people out there that will say, you know, why do we still need, and I'm not going to get into a whole thing on this, but just real briefly, the, you know, NASA, the shuttle, the moon landings and all that. But when people start looking into it a bit more, it, it, there's an amazing number of spin offs and things that have come from those areas that people really have no idea on and and from telecommunications to personal computers and and everything and I think it's important to uh to have that happen so there were so you had uh at this conference you had an mm-hmm. opportunity to meet somebody f- from SETI uh mm-hmm. what else were were some of the highlights from from either the the conference end or more of the convention side for you?
1: Oh, there's so many um it, you were just mentioning though about the the cell phone and that it probably would have come into being anyway martin cooper who is the uh father of the cell phone yes. and cellular technology he i think i saw him on
0: television one time or at least a couple mm. times uh yeah talking about it go ahead
1: yeah well one of his great quotes was because you know these panel discussions were all about how much of an influence Star Trek actually had. And really, with most of these scientists, when it comes right down to it, Star Trek itself wasn't the influence, but what Star Trek did allow was for the public as a whole to understand them a little bit better about what's going on in the real world of science. And Martin Cooper said something along the lines of when he was young, the concept of being a dreamer was very negative. And because of Star Trek, now it's encouraged. And that was the true influence and legacy of Star Trek. And so I thought that that was a very poignant statement. And then on Saturday, he was actually uh, one of the first recipients of the Star Trek legacy award and i'll be writing more about that in the the next segment or um, installment of my Star trek.com article
0: yeah that's uh that that's a great point i i you know i've thought about that a few times over the years and yeah, for my own personal um side of it it's it's definitely true i think they're there, there's a lot to be said in, in these days, especially, you know, what what's always been said about Star Trek is the fact that it came along at the era and the time that it did when th- there were things, especially in the country, that were not, you know, it wasn't in the best of times. And mm-hmm. I, I think there was definitely a shift at that time to, to make people sort of strive and to be better than maybe they might have been before. And hopefully to to try to work together and, you know, imagine these things and imagine, you know, new ideas and and try to be um, a little bit more understanding of maybe other people, other cultures, and and Mm -hmm. all of that, I think, were some of the big influences. Not just, uh, oh, now I can can talk on my cell phone and drive at the same time, you know. (laughs) That's, uh, you know, that's okay, too, maybe sometimes, but... I think it, a lot of it more has to do with just that, just the uh, the shift in attitudes and ideas that that it's brought about. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really um, it, it gets into people's heads and in people's culture uh, to more more even the people that aren't necessarily a fan. I think there are influences out there that you may not sit down and watch an episode every week when it's you when know, it's been on or a rerun of it or, or pop a DVD and but there is, uh, there's just sort of this, uh, it's hard for me to, t- to describe, but there, there's an influence there with just, not just Star Trek, but I think science fiction in general, a positive influence that uh, maybe was not there prior to uh, to Trek, I think. And you know, a lot mm-hmm. of times science fiction before that was either so far out in the future, you really couldn't get a handle on it. You know, I can remember reading some some early Isaac Asimov books and things, and they were great. They're great books and great novels, but the connection to, to, you know, our current culture is, is just not really there. It's, it's fun to read, but it's not, there's no real connection that you can hold on to. And then, you know, previous shows and movies in the fifties for science fiction was all about, you know, the bombs dropping and creating giant (laughs) ants or or things like, you know, it's just it's the more positive, hopeful future. Yes. Uh, that i think everyone always talks about with trek that that i uh that i really have always responded to and, and it sounds like you as well Absolutely. anything um i know you're going to be writing a lot more of this up and posting mm-hmm. it at star so we don't yep. have to have to cover it all because people can obviously go there and read about it was there anything we'll just kind of kind of wrap things up i know i've taken a lot more time but it's been uh it's been very interesting and and I'll use the word fascinating to uh, to talk to you about all of this. I mean, it's it's always great to hear from another person and, and a little bit of a different perspective with your background in teaching and, and Star Trek together. I think that's mm-hmm. really great. To, and, and the Shakespeare connection and 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 how you've been able to sort of tie everything together uh, is is just um, well, it's really. Really cool is is the (laughs) the only word I can use right now. So was there was there anything you wanted to kind of finish off with, or uh, why don't you give at least the information, and I'll I'll also post it. But your, you know, your website and and that information again.
1: Oh sure, it's the. Can I remember the URL? the The blog is at star trek forty dot blogspot dot com. Okay. And then the articles. If you watch the front page or the news items at Star for the remainder of the articles, and I don't, I don't know when those will come up because the other two sections aren't even finished yet. Okay. So, All right. Um, I'll also be. If anybody's interested in Shakespeare, they could go to Shakespeare High. That's H-I-G-H .dot com. Okay. And then. The, I'll also be next weekend I'm I leave on Thursday to go down to LA for the uh, final weekend shoot of, of gods and men and so hopefully I'll be writing something up about that experience as well.
0: Well that should be great. was that a uh, something that you're covering also for star to go visit the uh, the final shooting times of, of that uh, film that. Tim Russ, who played Tuvok on Voyager, is doing with uh, cast members from the various series. How did that connection, or how did you get that chance to go down?
1: Well, this is because of all the volunteer work that I did for Sky Conway. He invited me down to come to the shoot, and the goal was to cover it for star trek.com and i'll be there the whole weekend but mark wade from star trek.com will be there on saturday as well covering the story which is good because on saturday i get to be an extra
0: oh well you're, and, you know you're like a, a pro now right are you a pro yeah. <laughs> extra because you've had experience and all and uh well that's uh that's great uh, amy i i I think that'll be a a great time. That's when did you say you're doing that next weekend?
1: Next weekend. Yes. Okay.
0: All right. Well, I caught you on on the right weekend then I guess to to talk to you. Yes, you did. (laughs) uh, I have to, uh, it's, you know, I've learned over the years of my, of my not so many years that you got to always, sometimes you've got to strike and and when the opportunity knocks, you know, all those catchphrases are, uh, they become more and more true as time goes on. I've noticed. Mm -hmm. So, uh, don't uh, don't give up any opportunities like that that come along. So
1: that's right.
0: Well, I, I really, even though I have
1: to skip more school, but oh, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So you've taught your your entire life. That's your that's been your, your career. I mean, you've never uh, had any other kind of a job or anything like that. Uh, your passion is teaching.
1: Yep, I've always been a teacher.
0: Well, that's great. I I, uh, I really admire that. My my wife's a teacher. I taught for a short time a long time ago.
1: In mm-hmm. a galaxy
0: far, oh wait a minute, <laughs> wrong podcast.
1: <laughs>
0: um, but uh, I, I, my hat's always off to teachers because I, I think they are the, uh, well, it, it's it's cliche, but they they are guiding the future of uh, of what what kids uh, will become in in you know in the next years, and they've got to take care of us when we're old and stuff. So uh, <laughs> you know, I just uh, we got to make sure they turn out all right. But that's uh, right. It's it's a difficult and a hard job I know so I I definitely uh, hats off on that so we well, hang, oh, hang on the hang uh, on the the Skype line here for a second I'm just I'm just gonna wrap this up and, and closing I would just want to thank uh, Amy for taking uh, all this time out this morning and the early this afternoon to to talk with me and the people at uh, my podcast Trek Sin Sci Fi I almost couldn't remember what the heck i podcast about every week that was weird so thanks a lot amy uh, i really appreciate your time but hang on the line okay thank you again i'd like to really thank amy for taking all that time out today to tell us about her amazing star trek experiences and her experiences with teaching and shakespeare on the set of enterprise and her time at the expo conference i really want to uh again thank her for all that that was great uh and i am sure everyone who listens to Treks and sci-fi will enjoy uh hearing about your experiences amy and I will definitely be talking to you again sometime in the near future. So that's about it for this cast, everyone. This is Rico for Trex and Sci-Fi, signing off for this time. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Doste production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.